Welcome back to another episode of Ben and Eric's podcast. I'm your host, Ben Dorsey, and this is a movie and TV podcast. In the first segment, we review a movie together, and in the second, we review a TV show. I review the show as a new viewer, having only seen the first few episodes, and Eric, my co-host, reviews it having seen the entire series. On today's episode, we're reviewing Ruben Oslin's 2022 film, Triangle of Sadness, and Deborah Kahn's 2023 Netflix series, The Diplomat. Let's get right into it. Eric, how are you doing? I am doing well, Ben. Uh, good, good. I have Anything no new? No complaints. No. No. Last episode was all the new stuff. Uh, now yeah. I'm tired. I'm tired from the trip, so I've been <laughs> taking it easy. How about you? What's happening? Um, feeling refreshed. Been working a lot. Glad to be back here in the studio. Um, all right. <laughs> you put quotes. <laughs> you put quotes around studio, or you say that without uh, tongue in cheek. No, I say that with complete sincerity. I'm back in the studio, <laughs> sitting at my desk, making making digital media for the masses. Fabulous content. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into it, Eric. How would you describe Triangle of Sadness? What do you, well, what do you see Triangle of Sadness as? Let's give a little bit of a, a background on the movie. Um, it came out last the end of last year. Uh, a quick tagline, a fashion model celebrity couple join an eventful cruise for the super rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sentence carries a lot. Um, there's a lot behind that. I, I, I think maybe we should give it a good five or 10 minutes pre-spoiler and then go ahead and, and dive right in mm-hmm. after that. Because I, I went in cold and found a lot of benefit going in cold. Like it took some turns that I was absolutely not expecting. Had I read... So- the straight up storyline in IMDb, it would have spoiled the shit out of it. So well, how cold is cold? Like you knew absolutely nothing. I knew that there was a boat that mm-hmm. shit, shit went sideways. And like a lot of people I respect like the movie period. So okay. when I, when I know that and I know I'm going to put it on my watch list and eventually see it, mm-hmm. I kind of stay away from anything that's spoiler related because I would love to be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's, I, I'm, that's, it. that's mm-hmm. about how cold I was too. I was not, okay. I knew, I knew about as much as you. I had seen, I think I'd seen the trailer a few times and, um, but the trailer is not, if I remember correctly, the trailer is semi misleading. It is not, um, it's not quite what you'd expect and it's not exactly, it's not how the movie ends up going very quickly. It's not how the movie ends up being. So this is a okay to not get too spoilery it's a it's kind of a class movie you know there's a lot of mm-hmm. social dynamics um tendencies unwritten rules and general like strange human behavior that when put on screen is so strange to see like why why are we acting like this, but we know exactly why we're acting like this. It's just a lot of unspoken and unwritten things put out in front of the audience, in front of an audience that usually doesn't like speak about these things. So I think in a non-spoiler way, that's a good way to describe it. And that kind of is in line with Ruben Oslin's career. You can take a minute to talk about Ruben Oslin, the writer and director of this movie. Um, do you know much about Ruben Oslin? I don't, no. 
So I don't know too much either. I'm not going to act as some like Ruben Oslin liaison, but I do know about his movie, The Square. And The Square is a very strange, very strange movie. Um, it is an art film. I, I mean, and I think it won the Palme d'Or. Like it's, it's quite, it's something, it's something. And I think the iconic part of it is really the, I don't know if it's one scene or like one location and it's a bunch of people doing this one thing, or if it's like a few different locations setting up this big climactic scene, but I'm pretty sure let's just, let me just get I who's wearing these, his, he's wearing like a kind of apparatus that allows his like, that allows him to move like a gorilla. And it's a bunch of rich people at a um, prestigious Stockholm museum. And this brand new exhibit is this guy at dinner with these rich people just acting like a gorilla and fucking with these people. And it's quiet. It's like a one take scene and it's extremely strange and like a biting social satire. Anyways, he makes these kinds of films. That's who Ruben Oslin is. A strange kind of filmmaker. Not like some art student film. Like, he's a professional, but he makes some really strange stuff. So, yeah, so if I can throw in... And if I, yes, please in, throw in something. I'm talking in, for too much. In, um, in post, when you edit this, Ben, yeah. if you could throw in... When I said, no, I don't know about this guy, if you could throw in, why, yes, Ben, I do, that would be great. If you could do that, because you I, I missed that this guy did Force Majeure, which okay. uh, I really, really love that movie. It is from, let's see, uh, it is, it, it also has a similar kind of vibe, which is like standard interpersonal, you know, act one is like, you know, in this case, a family vacationing together in the Alps kind of stuff. And then stuff goes wrong. Oh, um, Yeah. So 2014, now nine years old, wow, um, was redone in 2020 with Will Ferrell and Julie Louis-Dreyfus into a terrible movie called Yeah, Downhill. I've heard, I've heard. But this one is amazing, Force Majeure, I loved. And it, it does sort of pull you in, again, sort of setting up also um, uh, the one we're talking about now, which is Triangle Sadness. It, it's, there's, act one is like, you know, you got a couple there uh two there's a male model and a female model they're together there's some issues interpersonal issues it's it starts with a really benign issue around who's paying the check for a mm -hmm. restaurant trip and then that really lingers like like you get kind of an awkward interaction and i heard another on another podcast about this movie after i watched it which was really great insight which is usually in a movie when you get a weird interaction about like you know, you think about the movie Diner, Barry Levinson, where there's they're talking about whether or not someone's going to finish a sandwich that he ordered. And it's like mm. a little bit of um, back and forth and give and take and really funny and and uncomfortable. And and you're there for the whole ride. Yeah. And those things come to an end. Right. They like, OK, that was cute. Neat, neat little vignette. And now it's over. Mm -hmm. This movie takes that sort of awkward restaurant little argument they had. 
and they take it deep into the evening. When you think they're going to, okay, move on. We, we, they had that weird interaction and now we're going to move on. No, no, no. They make you live through like, st- you know, stage two of that fight. And yeah. it's uncomfortable. And it's like, oh shit, this is now, this is blossoming into this something much bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what force majeure does too, which is like little quirks in act one about the relationship of the, this, this father, this father and mother yeah. and the two kids takes yeah. some weird turns and then gets exacerbated with some incidents that happen further on in act two and act three. So I love the way force majeure did that triangle of sadness. They, they get a little exploitative with the stuff that happens in the middle. And from that standpoint, they lost me a bit. Yes, that Ooh. stuff in the middle was super entertaining. Um, it was over the top um, but, and really memorable. But like, yeah. okay, I got it. That's a little, you're laying it on really, really thick here. So yeah. you, from could, that you can make the I argument. I, I knocked a couple, I knocked down a couple pegs because. Okay. Uh, well, to me, the, the middle, uh, the, the second act is really entertaining. It is super fun to watch. It was the most. It was by far the most exciting part of the movie for me, and I found myself like sitting up and audibly laughing out loud at the mm-hmm. his, at the Keystone Cop esque like yes. increasing hysterics of choreography and just general like <laughs> shithousery that's happening in the second act. So to me, it's um, it's just. The second act is really entertaining, and despite you could you could criticize like, oh, I think it's a bit redundant. You know, they're making the same point a lot of the time. Yeah. But it is it. The second act takes the second half of the second act is a turning point where things go bad, and I think even though that's kind of like that's overdone a little bit, we're there a little bit too long. Maybe you know, it's a disaster. Like we get it, but it's still by far the most entertaining sequence in the movie. And I was, I was really glad to have that because it is without it, you know, you could get kind of bogged down in the boring in this, not boring, but less entertaining, awkward social like dissection of social norms and commentary. So it's the second act. I do really like, I can't, we'll disagree on that. I do really like the second act. I'm glad it's there. It felt like he was trying out for the Swedish version of Jackass. <laughs> well, that's not bad. You know, he's, I think it's a new thing. I, did Force Majeure ever had, have anything like that? I'm, I regret to say I haven't seen it. Even okay. though I, I, have, I have heard about it. I've seen the clip of the avalanche falling and the guy going like, no, it's controlled. Like, don't worry about it. This is mm-hmm. controlled. Yeah. Okay, so I know about that. And I saw that, I just saw the trailer, whatever. Does Force Majeure have something like that? Is it no. There? No, it does everything. Everything that is sort of gets you uncomfortable and like, ooh, this is really cringy. It's hard to watch. Um, it's not. It's not. There's not a lot of like you know bodily fluids flying around like in like in. Um, that is so entertaining, Eric. Eric, that is such. It is such hey, a good part. You're a 19 year old boy. I was a 19 year old boy you. once. That shit is entertaining. I get it. And there's still some 19 year old boy in me. But, there's so much. There's so much, and you're just, you're in denial I, of it. It was it was such I, a good. And I, hey, I love such the Jackass a good movies. I love the Jackass <laughs> movies, right? So I'm not like a prude about this stuff. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's like the force majeure turns that it takes, and the uncomfortable positions they put you in, are all for the the 
a, a purpose. It's all to bring you along and to have you feel what the characters are feeling in a really, you know, uncomfortable way. So from that standpoint, we, you know, if, if you, if you put like both movies in front of me and say, you're watching, you're going to rewatch one, three times, I would pick force majeure all three times. Mm. Okay. I, Max, I understand where you, you can watch from. on HBO max. So I'm going to put, put a little plug in for force majeure. For force while we're majeure. talking about triangle sadness. Yeah. So I, I get the rewatchable aspect. Triangle of Sadness could leave you seasick mm-hmm. and you might not want to watch it again. You know, I get it. And I, I might not want it. I don't know when the next time I'm going to watch this again. This is kind of like a, a farcical. Like I would have to forget about this movie in order for me to enjoy it again. This isn't quite one where like the themes are really down below. They're quite on the surface. And, you know, it's not the most complex piece of art you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things you could dissect about this surface level stuff and about like why do we act this way and where do these social interactions come from and where do they go when they're put in different completely different isolated scenarios that um that we end up exploring in the first second and third act and so that stuff is really interesting you know we could i could rewatch it for that but I get where you're coming from. It's it's not the most rewatchable movie. Let's let's get, let me give a little more context because we got I got some great feedback from a friend of mine, Gary, loyal listener. Thank you, Gary, for Thank you, Gary. feeding back that we need to give a little bit more backstory on some of these movies as we talk about them. And I should have done this ten minutes ago on this movie. But this young couple, they're both models. Um, they, she's an influencer, so she gets invited on some of these you know excursions and that kind of thing. So Act Two, they get invited onto a yacht with a lot of super rich people. And from that standpoint, I think we can sort of move a little bit in spoiler territory here in that things go really wrong on the boat. First of all, you get sort of the rich being like disgusting, like condescending to the staff, the staff trying to accommodate them, but the the rich also abusive in the way. And oblivious and oblivious and ignorant. And you you hate all of them. Every time they open their mouth, you're like, my God, I want to kill this person. So sometimes they're very, but they also are still very entertaining. Oh, for sure. Oh, oh yeah. It's a great satire. It's not like you don't want to watch them. Yeah. Right. You really want to watch these people be idiots. It's a satire because you do get a look below deck too. And you get a look at the staff that is not just saying, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. They're Uh pushing back a little bit. Sometimes they're laughing amongst themselves about how, horrible this you know these people are so yeah I, that's all great and then and then you moved act two act three is when there's an incident on the boat and people move into survival mode let's just leave it there okay. and that's when stuff sort of you know it, it goes it goes to a whole different movie at that point um and uh and, and it was entertaining the trip they took us on the whole thing it really felt like the menu, the movie, the menu that came out a year. That's or two a ago. great comparison, right? Where where it was like these super rich, you know, just just like pretentious people are being um, are being their pretentious selves, and they get their comeuppance, right? And they yeah. and things happen to them, and you're glad things happen to them because you wanted them to feel some pain. And same thing happens here. So if you like that, this this really follows that trajectory for sure. Yeah, and it's surface level in that. It's not some deeper rooted thing. 
but I did I do like the comparison to the to the menu. Um, I compared it to the food of the menu. I thought the menu's food looked amazing, mm-hmm. and this food looked good too. Not quite. Food isn't quite a pivotal role, but you can dissect like what food means in this in this uh, in these scenes and what it means to these characters and um, how like the rich people eating and getting sick. Oh, I that's not a spoiler. That's yeah, we can. They, they, should we move into that territory? Sure, let's go. So, if you don't, if you don't want any spoiler, any more spoilers, because we're about to go deep, then mm-hmm. skip ahead five or ten. Yeah, or fifteen. We don't know. We don't know how long this conversation is going to go. I can't do ten minutes of what you're about to talk about. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. In the second act, they all get sick. It, they have the captain's dinner, and it's storming, and so they're all eating this fine dining, very fine dining, prepared by like. These four chefs who are like, uh, they're just four regular chefs. They're not cursing as much as regular chefs, I don't think. But <laughs> they just look like normal kitchen, like people who like would work in a kitchen and preparing these extravagant meals. And the first one is an oyster. So the ship is rocking back and forth and they all, and they all put a raw oyster in their stomach. Now that raw oyster is <laughs> sloshing back and forth and... Then they then they bring out this um this like jelly uh, I think it's like a gelatinous clear gelatinous thing and they sprinkle some vegetables on it I don't know it's um they all I are wanna, drinking I want to throw up I want to throw up now just you talking about I know it. me saying the word gelatinous yeah. and yeah uh, the you're other doing one. A, you're doing a good job too good of a job describing it well this movie does a fantastic job of making you feel sick oh god yeah so everybody's throwing up. They're just all, they're just. It starts slow though. It starts small. I mean, you it get, does. some people are like, oh, one guy has to leave the table, you know, and he's yeah. got a little, little burp, right? And then, and then it just starts to build. Yeah. Um, and, and frankly, the vomiting scenes, like the actual, I don't think they were special effects, but I don't know. No, I think they were practical. I mean, they were practical. People so they are had... vomiting like they're vomiting. It was like really well done. So I, I read somewhere on the IMDb that they took like pills mm. to, um, they took. They might have taken some pills to make themselves throw up. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, but also I saw in the in a trailer that um that like a a woman had a you know the woman who who really who yeah. really gets it yeah the one who really is vomiting and and shitting all over yeah by the end and sliding around the floor you know yes um she I saw I just saw on the IMDb that she had like a. A, a little tube on the side of her face that wasn't facing the camera that uh. sprayed stuff out. And, um, and I, then they, I'm, I'm sure they added some digital effects in post and they also had some practical effects. Yeah. So I was looking for that. Right. And they, they mm-hmm. must've done a great job. They did. They did a really good I could job. Not see any of that going on. That's yeah, they did. They did it. The yeah, vomit so, is so really there, well done. There's a section in this movie, again, going back to the first act where the, the couple is arguing about who's, who's paying the check it goes on longer than a normal traditional movie would take you through that scene to the point where you're like, Ooh, I'm feeling weird about this. Right. As weird as they are being in this conversation. I'm same goes for these kinds of scenes. It's like, okay, I get it. There's people being sick. It's like, Oh no, no, no. I'm with this. These yeah. people are going to ha- go back to their rooms and they're going to be sitting on the toilet too. So like, oh yeah, I, I love the piss, the the shitting and vomiting scene. Buckle that was up so because funny. you thought we were done, and we are nowhere near done. It so, was hilarious. Yeah, 
This woman, was, okay, this poor woman. I mean, she must have gone through hell to perform this. Yeah. But there's a there's a certain point she starts to throw up. She's chugging like chugging alcohol to try to like mitigate it because she's a dumb idiot rich person. Um then she ends up you see her later on the toilet shitting and vomiting at the same time. <laughs> then then the boat is rocking so bad that she's sliding like that she's sliding on the floor covered in whatever. Yeah. Like uh, just uh, slide hitting the wall, hitting the wall, grabbing onto the toilet to vomit and try to hold on to something. Yeah. It is, it is so fucking funny. It, it is a very small group of people that, that can watch this movie and appreciate it at the level that you're appreciating. I think, you know what? I'd say be open-minded. I think a lot of people could really appreciate this. It's, it's hilarious. Well, they're, mean, going, just... they're going in with eyes wide open now based on our description. So, um, yeah, I, I think so. let's move past vomiting and shitting if we can. And, and okay, so that's not, a lot of the second that, act. That's not the first time I've said that sentence today, believe it or not. <laughs> okay, then towards the end of the second act, we get this drunken 10-minute long sequence where Woody Harrelson, the captain of the boat, who's supposed to host this captain's dinner. And this guy, Dimitri, who's a, he's a Russian who sold fertilizer in, the, in Eastern Europe in the 80s, and he made a fortune. They're talking politics and getting drunk. It, it, is, it divulges into like a real, like, I don't know. It reminds me a lot of me and my friends talking politics and nothing happens. Nothing changes. No one's opinion gets changed. They, mm-hmm. they end up reading quotes from their phones. It's all like fraudulent. They're not, they're not politicians. They're doing nothing about these, I- these ideals and ideologies that they have. And they're just, they're just trying to quote these different Marxists and socialists, Leninists in the, in the past to like, put up this front that they are somehow in line with these ideas. Yeah. And to to bring people back to where it fits in the movie is that um, you, things are going really wrong on the rest of the ship. And these two are having these philosophical discussions. It's like, guys, please, what are we doing here? You know, these, these guys are hammered. They're talking about the, about socialism and communism and capitalism and all that. At the same time, this guy, this dude is supposed to be Woody Harrelson in charge of the ship and yeah. the ship is in turmoil. So it's, that's the, that's where it takes you. And, and then, um, and again, we don't have to talk about act three, really. I just want to sort of, I, I still, even though we're trying to be spoiler, we're being spoiler uh, ish at this point, yeah. there's still stuff that I think we do not there's, need to spoil. I would yeah, like, we to, haven't discussed half the movie. And I would like to sort of bring it to the end in terms of our review of this movie in that I really believe act three, especially the end where they did a pretty good job at keeping my interest through each of these acts. There's always something to see, always something to happen. There's always a power dynamic that you're really paying attention to, whether it be the rich and the, the staff on the ship or at the the end where it's, you know, sort of a, uh, an, um, an unexpected power um, leader in, in the end of the movie that comes yeah. out of nowhere. It's like, oh, that makes sense. I'm with you. I'm going to go along for this ride. But at the end, it's like, tell me, without revealing the ending, if you can give me your quick 20-word review of the ending. Mine is that they mailed it in. 
that I really had Whoa. to go deep. I really had to go deep in IMDb to try to make sense of it and try to. They pulled a little bit of a Sopranos thing on us here, I think, where it's like we're going to leave a ton up to interpretation where they didn't have to do that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up and let you tell me why I'm wrong. You okay? The the literal ending, you know, where they get to the other side. Um, I'll just leave it at that. That's up to interpretation. Fine. Which I think is good. You know, I don't think it would be that satisfying if there is a drawn conclusion. Because in the grand scheme of things, there is no drawn conclusion for that specific scenario. Okay. Okay. Moving on from talking in riddles, the ending of the movie is not phoned in. It's not mailed in. It is, it is, I think, a well-researched, extremely, extremely well-written piece of work, piece of art that stands alone in the movie. You could really just have the third act. You could have that as a movie. It's just, it's its own thing. Mm. And it is a real dissection of human behavior. You know, when this human behavior is isolated, but still in a group, a social setting it it turns into that you know i never for a second didn't believe what was happening i always thought well if this is the scenario if these are the characters on this in this in this situation this is what happens i 100 okay. percent agree with it all right. given given all the given all the tools that they have i i it is an extremely well-written piece. And the reason I say that twice is because if it's not, you don't believe in it, in it at all. If this, if the third act isn't extremely well-written and not necessarily conclusive, but um, tied into itself, if it's not, if it doesn't, if it starts to not make sense, you're completely out of it. It really takes a left turn from where the movie was and dials it up to 11 and sticks you there for the rest of the movie. And if, if it's not really well written, not really well done, you just lose it. It's just, Mm. you're out of the movie for the next half for the next hour plus. So they nail it in the third act for me. Okay. All right. Well, we will, we will leave it up to our listeners to, uh, Pick a side on that one. A uh, little bit about the casting real quick. Um, the two stars, uh, the young models, Carl and Yaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Harris Dickinson. Yaya uh, Char- Charlby Dean. Yeah, is Charlby Dean, yeah. And just a little bit of, just to put a complete buzzkill on this thing. She's I was going to say this too, yeah. A very young actress that died, literally died shortly after the release of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um really super tragic um yeah she had like a bacterial disease yeah like 32 years old just really tragic um so uh on that on that note how would you like she died from sepsis yeah it was nuts it was nuts one thing about the the actor i loved um uh, carl harris dickinson he came at this movie with like a ton of like excitement and energy and he you know when he first read the script there were there were books that were handed to him in the in the script so he made sure to read the books. Oh, like, so he read like Ulysses and... Yeah, he read all these things that were handed yeah. to him. So that by the, when he would receive the book, he'd be like, ooh, I'm like, I'm method and I know what was in this book. So apparently the two or three things that were in the script, 
literally got changed day of the shooting and they changed the book or they didn't hand the book, you know, and it's like, he's like, <laughs> damn it. I was so prepared for this role. And now he didn't yeah. need that experience. So anyway, um, super entertaining movie. Uh, make sure to, um, you know, watch it on an empty stomach would be my recommendation here. Yeah. And um, I almost didn't, you texted me that. Um, <laughs> and I, I was like, I planned to watch it after dinner. <laughs> and then you texted me that and I was like, you know what? I will actually follow his advice. <laughs> and it worked. That helped a lot. I think I had a big dinner. I, I like, I took leftovers home from the restaurant. I had a big dinner. And yeah, if I had watched that movie, I would have really regretted it. If I had watched this movie, I would have regretted it. So super glad I watched this movie on an empty stomach in the morning. Just first thing, first thing in the morning in bed, wake up, watch it, take notes. I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. I was hungry. The scene didn't make me any hungrier, but you know, it was awesome. I love this movie. All right. There you go. It's a ringing endorsement. I tell you, go watch Force Majeure, Force Majeure on Max instead. Um, and instead, then hit, this, hit this one, maybe second. Um, but yeah, this may just be a, this is, this is definitely not to, no pun intended, but it's an acquired taste. I mean, you have to, you have to dig this kind of movie and the kind of uh, exhibition they put on to enjoy it. Mm. See, it's, it's uh, you hey, and man. Adam Naiman, <laughs> you and Adam Naiman. I'm on Adam Naiman's. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, like it. He, two didn't stars. Like it he didn't like it either. Yeah. Um, anyway, whatever. It's a good movie. On. Four stars. The next Four segment stars. Four stars? Yeah, for me, it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Relax, relax. That wasn't a challenge. It was, I didn't quite hear you. I was, I was making sure that the words traveled across the internet here. So yeah, uh, you wanted it to be extra clear for our audience. Four's good. I'm thinking, I think I'm three and a half. It definitely had uh, three and a half out of five vibes here. You wanted to make sure, you wanted to make sure that you knew that I put the graduate at a four star level. And so did this too. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. You you, you were talking four and a half the way you were sitting up the, uh, the way you're building it up. I like movies, Eric. I like movies. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm learning I like your complimenting system. I'm learning your your range here. That's all. Look, I just I like to compliment movies, and then be real with the rating. So I also like Got to it. shit on movies and then be real with the rating too. Okay. So, regardless of how I feel, I think my rating is the more objective. How I feel about a movie. Okay. Anyways, that's it for Triangle of Sadness. I think you should go see it. Eric says whatever he can. <laughs> um, cool. Next thanks, up. For, uh, <laughs> thanks for boiling down my review to that one. <laughs> Eric says watch Force Majeure, which I will. I'm going to take his Good. advice, but I watched Triangle of Sadness first. So right. next up after this short break is The Diplomat. And we're back with The Diplomat. This is a 2023 Netflix series. I'm going to read out the IMDb description right now. In the midst of an international crisis, Kate Weiler, a career diplomat, lands a high-profile job for which she is not suited. Okay, I already disagree with it. With tectonic implications for her marriage and her political future. So Kate Weiler, career diplomat, makes sense, lands a high-profile job for which she is not suited. Incorrect. Kate Weiler is a very smart character. She's a charismatic leading woman. And she is the diplomat, and she is suited for this job. 
basically what happens in the first seconds of the first episode is a London, a British um, carrier, a British aircraft carrier off the coast of Iran gets blown up. They blow up, they like a missile gets shot at it and it, it blow it like blows part of it up. And so Kate, who's set to be going to, um, uh, ooh, what was the town she was set to be going to? She was going to Middle East. She was where her kind of Tehran was it? Was she supposed to be in Tehran? No, that that's I forget. But she was yeah, she's sort of a middle. Specific. She's a Middle East. Kabul, expert. Kabul. That's what it is. Yeah, she's supposed to go to Kabul. She yep. gets rerouted by the president and the secretary of state. By the way, the president is Chuck from Better Call Saul. That was funny to see because I didn't think he was the president. I was like, there's no way they made Chuck from Better Call Saul the president. I just – I really saw him and I was like, that's not a president. Like, I didn't ever think president, but apparently she spoke with the president. And- Mike, Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon, correct. Yeah. He is also appears in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Great actor. And he's so, also- Carrie he- Russell. Carrie Russell plays um, Kate Wilder, the star of yeah. the show. Right. Let's she is let's, – let's start out – okay, by the way – informing everybody it's an eight episode series i've seen the first two uh, i think or a nine episode series i've seen the first two um i figure that is the most appropriate no it's eight episodes what am i thinking yeah it's eight episodes um i've seen a quarter of the show so i've seen the first two um kate weiler is amazing or sorry not kate weiler carrie russell carrie russell jesus her name is kate weiler she's amazing Carrie Russell yes. is amazing. I, I She's great. haven't yes. seen much of her. I'll admit it. I haven't seen much of Carrie, Carrie Russell, but she's incredible in this role. Yes. And you, you, she obviously comes off the Americans, which was one of the best TV shows of the past 20 years, for sure. I put in, I put absolutely put it in the top five of best shows of the last 20 years. So she's Whoa, the Americans. She plays. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Well, I don't, I don't know what it, it described the Americans to me. The Americans is she is a she and her husband um, Matthew Reese. Um, I think they're they're actually a couple in real life, and I think that's a result of them acting together in the show. But it's a multi-season show on FX, um, and they are uh, Russian spies living in Northern Virginia, um, doing the work for Russia, but all the while trying to um, gain intelligence on the U.S. and send it back. And they go. They go heavy into backstories of these two, why they became spies. They have children in, in this uh, family setting where they are in Northern Virginia, and they're kind of put up this front of being a happy American family when all the time they're spying. Outstanding series. There is not a dead season in this series. She's outstanding. She takes that role and plays something a little bit similar in this one, which is, and this show takes you through a lot of, Chaos, there is, we will stay right up front, that it is created by Deborah Khan, who has a ton of West Wing credentials in her bio. Um, She was part of award-winning writing um, seasons of West Wing. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, classic walk and talks, and there Mm -hmm. is a lot of jargon around politics and a lot of... Yeah, also a lot of names. The first thing I like, I didn't get it... I came into this, I don't know much about our government, like, especially like the way it works at the highest level, like who talks to who and it's inappropriate for this person to contact this person. Yeah. And all this political behavior. I mean, 
something that Triangle of Sadness criticizes heavily and and puts in front of you to criticize heavily. Anyways, it is a lot of jargon, a lot of fast-paced talking. I, I'm surprised to say that you haven't said Sorkin-esque writing yet. Because... I did say West Wing. So oh, that is Sorkin? With... Okay. Yeah, Fuck. it goes along with the territory. Because yeah. <laughs> my, mom, my mom described that. I was watching this last night with my, with my parents, and my mom was like, it's Sorkin-esque. There you go. Yeah. And they do not She's let like, up. Eric I mean, if, you, is gonna, if you're Eric looking is at your phone, that. if you're just like not paying attention, you're looking at your phone when the series starts, within the first three minutes, you're like, oh, shit, this is not a looking at my phone kind of show. You have no. to put it down. Because they do not let up, and each scene just keeps rolling right along, and if and you can get behind pretty quickly. So, yes. but in the first ten minutes, you know the stakes. You know why she has been put in this role as the new ambassador for Great Britain uh, mm-hmm. for the U.S. After yeah. this incident, you know mm-hmm. her husband, his backstory. You know yeah. why he was not picked for this role and why she was, and he's going along for the ride. So it's like. Yeah, what an asshole, by the way. Fucking, what's his name? Uh, Hal in the show. Hal. Yeah. Hal Weiler. Yeah. What a, Rufus, I, um, what's his last name? Rufus Sewell. He's a great sorry. actor. Character, really well done. The character itself, an asshole. I, okay. I do not like Hal. Well, you're, not supposed, in, you're not supposed to like Hal, but, but yeah. they, they, they show you as her kind of like, he's he somewhat works against her in episode one and throughout because he wants to be at some level he wants to also still be in the game um but you learn that he really you know he kind of shot himself in the foot as it were but all the political hierarchy all the political hierarchy is put in full display in episode one like like ben said you are you are trying to navigate who should be talking to who who should be talking to whom first, right? Like you can't yeah. talk to that person because the secretary of state needs to do his thing first. It's like that, all those So that lines, stuff, there was the, so much of that that it got yeah. confusing. Well, good. I mean, I love being kept on my toes. And if you have some, you know, worldview around these kinds of things and you've watched all the West Wings, you watched all the Americans, you kind of get a sense for what, you know, the government hierarchy is like. Um, so but I love it. To, there's, no lags, me, there's no lags in this series. It's always rolling and mm-hmm. it's smart dialogue. So if you're going to do that, you're going to, you're going to capture my attention. Yeah. It was confusing in a bad way though. Like I had to, like I had to get my mom to stop it and be like, so why do they keep saying this person's name? Mm. She's like, that's the secretary. <laughs> that's the secretary of state. Mm-hmm. The secretary of state is her boss. Her, the secretary of state's boss is the president. And so th- that got kind of, that got kind of annoying. I missed out. I didn't quite miss out, but I was just like, dude, please, can someone like stop and explain this? And I guess I must have missed it. I mean, I guess I was on my phone like writing notes because we were in the living room. I didn't have my computer. I was just on my phone writing notes. And I, you know, I did get distracted sometimes. I have my phone in front of me. So well, I might have missed really, some stuff. You brought up a good point in that, you know, you're not, you're not the demo for this show, for sure. No, I mean, this is an older person show. Right. Well, well I would like there's to no characters under 30 more experienced is what I would say not older necessarily but there's um, there's no characters under 30 okay fair enough uh, I mean so, what's her assistant like her, her yeah, assistant no, right. I want to call her Kim Wexler um <laughs> that, that Kate Weiler on, on the, sorry on Kate Weiler really similar to Kim Wexler who came first by the way um <laughs> Kate Kate Weiler is like in her 40s I think her assistant is 
I mean, in his 30s, there's no one working in the White House in an important role who was under 30. That's just not possible. I actually think her assistant's in his 40s. He's got some grays. Like, what are we like? It's not a movie for me. No, I it's not it. a TV and, show and, for me. You know, I, I live in D.C. You live in Philly, right? So I, I've lived here almost my entire life. So I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of been around and in government for all my life. So from that standpoint, it was kind of written for for me specifically. Yeah, especially you know, the Sorkin-esque writing. Really, yeah. Really I mean, it was, it's perfect, right? They could do no wrong, especially with Deborah Kahn as the, uh, at the helm here as the showrunner. Yeah. So from that standpoint, this show is fantastic. They've already renewed it for season two. Um, I, I, the, the, the moves they make where the dramatic turns that they take are really well-earned. Um, you know, there's a part of this in this first episode, no, no big spoilers, but like the sort of pomp around the role is oh, she yeah. wants no part in, right? But yeah. then as she goes through it and she realizes she's on sort of, she's on kind of tenuous nice. footing in the new role, new role, she's like, wait, I could use the pomp to my advantage. So mm-hmm. she chooses the pomp route to sort of gain some more stability in the role so that people can't like, can't pull the strings for her. She can be the one pulling the strings. So those kinds of things are extremely well-earned because you go through her denying the pomp route and you, you, you get it because she's this hard-driving, no-bullshit, straight-talking, a lot of profanity, get-the-fuck-out-of-my-way kind of person. And like then she realizes, mm, I need to try something a little bit more strategic around this. So, yeah. you know, yeah, really, really love the, love the show. And um, I can tell you, uh, people it's like got me. smart dialogue, and I, I I like it too. I just want to get that out there. I don't want to sound all negative. I want to watch the third episode. I wanted to watch it, and then my mom said it was eight episodes, and I was like, okay, I'll I'll leave it be. But yeah, the third episode is. Ex- I'm excited to watch it. Oh, good. It is good. really. And- it, it is something I enjoy. Like fast paced, well written dialogue with high stakes, and like the American government. I mean, that's something that interests me. Mm-hmm. Good. No, I and, think it and can appeal it, to anyone. You worked it in can. the perfect. You watched it in the perfect setting with sort of human Wikipedia's next to you, where yes, you, someone who's not only seen the show before, but also knows all the different interactions between these uh, yeah. these positions in government. And a good a good analysis, like two good analyses on the history of U.S. Iran relations. Yeah, they lived through a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that backstory is really important. So um, yeah. Yeah, thumbs up here for sure. I'm going to continue watching this as well. Good. And then The Americans. Uh, yeah, I'll consider it. It's five seasons. You want me to watch a five Yeah, no, it's, show? it's not. It is not a, a quick lift for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> five seasons biting family drama about Soviet spies in America. Um, maybe. You say it with that level of disdain. I kind of don't want to watch it finish, either. Let me finish The Sopranos first. <laughs> You have, um, I don't know how much time you have in your life. The it Americans, seems like you have 25 hours a day. The, <laughs> the way, Americans the is better than The Sopranos. I'm, I, you know what? That's all the time we have today, folks. <laughs> That's uh, crazy to say, first of all. Sorry. I, I will stick with that. and uh, I won't I'm, even address it because I can't. I'm willing to open up this conversation to our listener public and uh, yeah, have them. Weigh in. Battle which it is, out with us. Which is better? <laughs> the Sopranos, largely considered to be 
one of, if not the best show on earth. I just said in, it wasn't in American, the best. It, largely considered to be <laughs> the best show in American television or the Americans. Which we're gonna rank. Which? We're gonna rank our top five shows soon. I, think I can rank my top soon. five shows because I've, we'll like, I've seen like I've seen like five. I need some time. If this is going into the vault, um, I need to make sure I get uh, I get these in the right order. So we we'll can watch our soon. top five. We can rank our top five movies too. That's when at least at least I've seen more than like six movies. I mean, to watch a TV show in full, like watching Breaking Bad in full, no, is I get difficult. It. You started it's long. I know. And the fact that you're 19 years old, I will give you uh, I'll give you a pass. 19 years old and I've seen like Game of Thrones three times. So. Well, that's a mistake. That's just an error on No, your it's part. not. I just ignore the last two seasons. It's still fantastic writing There's with so much really good TV acting. out there that you Please well, call it was me really before, entertaining. Do me a favor. Please call me before you watch it a fourth time. I was in like ninth grade. I get it. You're not going to watch it again, are you? No, probably not. Probably not. But I do like returning Sorry. to it and being like, oh, this I is didn't fun. Mean to yell. Where, I didn't mean where to are yell. we I in Westeros? Are we in Essos yet? What about the faceless men? Like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, the Diplomat. I'm sorry that season two won't get made anytime soon because of the strike. Because I really, uh, I really would love to see season two. But great show. Go see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on, I uh, on I'm going to continue watching this. Good. Oh yeah, and where can we stream uh, Triangle of Sadness? That I saw. I don't on think Hulu. it is. Where'd you? It's see on it? Hulu. I... Yeah, I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, I saw it on Hulu. Um, and so... Force Majeure. Force Majeure on Max. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what else is on Max, Eric? Don't say, don't say Game of Thrones. The Sopranos. Oh, watch shit. that. Yeah, watch that. Yeah. Dude. I saw get it. The he- I saw get the, the hell out of here. You think The Americans is better than The Sopranos. You're never going to let this go, are you? Why would you say that? No, wait. Game of Thrones. I said The Americans. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I said that. Now That's I'm, exactly what I said. I repeated what you said. Up. Now I'm mixed up. I repeated what you said. <laughs> All right. It's We're- crazy. I just, Sorry. Okay. I, I I could watch like I'll tell you what the first season of The Sopranos is better than the Americans. I've seen The Sopranos and I've seen The Americans. You have seen The Sopranos and you have not seen The Americans. So when you get fully informed, let's have this conversation again. Okay, well where's the Sopranos rank on your list? Low apparently. It's in the top ten. It's in, it's not in the top five, it's in the top ten. So where's the Americans? Like number two? It's in the top five. What's what's above the Americans? I told you I'm not doing a list now. The wire, you, the you wire's want... above. The wire's above the Americans. That's what I'm saying, Eric. I have seen the wire, and the Sopranos is really fucking good compared to the wire. <laughs> you know, it's up there. It's up there with the wire. Maybe even better. I don't know. Breaking Bad. I've seen the five. wire twice. Bad, top so. five. That's mm, that angers me because the wire and the Sopranos are better than Breaking Bad. All right, dude. By <laughs> season three, you can be out on Walt. As just a character who he's just irredeemable by season three. And Tony Soprano, not quite. That's, that's on purpose. That's well, on purpose. Uh, what are the last two seasons for then? It is if, to, if Walt is an irredeemable character, why is he still the main character? It is to witness his journey from, as as the creator said, Mister Chips to Scarface. Well, he was already that in the third season. The journey's over. Uh, is it, it because? It, it comes didn't. around. Anyway, why do people tune into this episode? They did not tune into the breakdown of Breaking Bad. Let's uh, let's well, let's wrap to this be honest, up. This is pretty entertaining stuff. <laughs>
You yelling at me? I'm not entertained. You are yelling. You're yelling back. <laughs> Don't play the victim here. You're yelling back. Making just imposing last, imposing your crazy 15 minutes of this episode imposing your crazy ideas on me about the ranking of tv shows okay let's wrap this baby up Thank you. eric it's always a pleasure most of this was <laughs> i'm glad to have made your day again with another recording of <laughs> ben and eric's podcast in All hindsight right. in hindsight i'm sure i will have enjoyed it yes Yes. Well, we should talk about uh, doing those rankings and stuff and just bickering about mm-hmm. non, like non-essential things because that was pretty fun. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll see you soon, Eric. All right, Ben. Bye-bye. Take care.